0: One thing that I really strongly feel is that the youth need leadership and they need guidance and they need spiritual guidance. They need elders. And that acts of violence, acts of aggression, and the way they're going about communicating their frustration is not working. Nothing you do matters unless what you do matters. I'm Amadon Dillerba, and this is Get Real... Or die trying. How we doing, Tribe? Welcome to episode 27 of my podcast. Today I wanted to tell some stories about my past and my associations with some anarchists, actually. It's been coming up in conversation lately with my friends, with some strangers, with some associates and people. Uh, With the, you know, the current rioting that's taking place in the streets all over this country and has been happening for the last few months, and police brutality and Black Lives Matter, racism, and all of the activity that is taking place uh, in the streets. And it kind of brought me back to some of the times that I was in the streets in 2011 and 12 with the Occupy Wall Street movement. And so I wanted to tell a story today about a certain few situations So let's go back to November of 2011. And I had just gotten back from New York City, Zuccotti Park, where the heartbeat and the start of Occupy Wall Street was happening. And I was with my good friend Kazarian Jean Angela, who's also a producer on this podcast. And and so we had just gotten back from New York and then we decided to attend an event that was happening in Scottsdale, Arizona. It was a convention and the abbreviation was ALEC. A-L-E-C, American Legislative Exchange Council. And basically what ALEC is, is essentially it's lobbyists and CEOs and people from big, massive corporations, ExxonMobil, Walmart, etc., meeting with lobbyists so that they can basically discuss how they can get bills in motion to get laws passed so they can make more money in different ways. It's essentially what it is, it's a, and it's actually a nonprofit organization, and the way it's described is pretty hilarious. You can look it up, but it's really about the interest of the 1% and the corporations and passing more laws so that they can profit more off of us. Long story short, that's it. So people were there to protest this organization. So me, Kazarian, good friend of mine, Kayleen Fitzpatrick, who's the cameraman here today and every day with Get Real or Die Trying, we're a solid crew. We've been rolling hard for years together. Uh, super proud of that. We all went to this event in uh, Scottsdale. There, you know, there wasn't a ton of people there, but it was a very impassioned event, and there was a bunch of anarchists there, and they had a police line, and the, uh, the golf resort where this convention was taking place had a pretty large perimeter around it of police force, and there was an entrance, and so we were gathered at this entrance uh, to have our signs and to protest. Now we weren't going. Of course, we agreed with. Of course, we disagreed with Alec and what it stood for, and so we were, you know, protesting that. But we we weren't going necessarily to protest as much as we were to cover the protest as journalists and as media and as uh, advocates for the spiritual lucian movement. The Spiritual lucian movement I've mentioned many times in my podcast, which is about spiritual revolution, a spiritual solution to the world's problems. Founded by Gable of Urantia. You can look that up, too, after the podcast. So anyways, we're there, and we're, we're there to talk about the spiritual spiritualution movement and to introduce these concepts of spirituality, spiritual activism in the streets, and to intelligently protest. And there was some unintelligent protest happening, of course, like there is at a lot of these events. So we're there, and you got the anarchists showing up and all their black masks on you know, the red Anarchist A symbol on their flags, on their shirts, and they'd start attacking the police line. They would charge and kick and throw rocks and throw things. The police were, you know, they were in ride gear, shields, helmets, the whole you know, body armor, the whole deal. This was kind of our first slightly intense protest situation because, you know, they started firing out uh, pepper spray and arresting people and breaking up the crowd and, and so forth. And so at that time I was there with the spiritual Lucian Movement and I was broadcasting a live stream from my cell phone. Back in 2011, live streaming was pretty big at the time, especially because corporate media was not going to cover what was going on in the streets. And so it was the people's media, the individual journalists really, there was a time there, about a year period in 2011 to 12 or so, where it really surged and independent media, uh, of people basically live streaming, and some people got really well known for it. They would travel to these locations, including me, in these big protests, and they would film and interview and, and live stream the events so that people could tap in and actually see what was really happening in the streets, not from CBS a few blocks away with the anchor on the side of the street in her dress talking about it, but actually be right there dodging the rubber bullets and in the tear gas. So I'm live streaming. I'm about 20 minutes in, I'm talking about what I see. I see all oh, the anarchists, they're, they're storming the police line, they're charging it and kicking their and their shields, they're throwing rocks. And then, I, you know, I'm talking, then I start interviewing people. Hey, why are you here today? Tell me about why you're here. Tell me about Alec. Well, about 10 minutes later, I see four uh, men, all dressed in black, anarchists, with their masks on, except for one, start walking towards me slightly aggressively. I knew they weren't happy, so, I, you know, I kind of took a position ready to do what I needed to do if they were going to attack me. And one of them came up and said, Hey, are you the guy who's live streaming? I said, yeah, I am. He said, well, my buddy said, you're talking about us anarchists on your live stream. He's watching it and quit pointing the camera and trying to film our faces, which I wasn't trying to do. And I said, well, I apologize. I'm not you know, doing that. And he said, he didn't say anything actually, he just came up to me and tried to grab my arm and take the phone out of my hand to which I responded by cupping my hand and swatting his ear pretty hard, disoriented him, and we exchanged some words, and I made it very clear that if they tried to attack me, I would, you know, do whatever necessary to defend myself. bit of a Mexican standoff for a moment, they said, just don't film us, blah, 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 and they walked off. So that was kind of the first altercation, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, it was kind of violent, kind of angry. Long story short, the protest goes on for about eight hours, about 25 people get arrested. It's the end of the day. We had talked to some people and we had gotten the text, uh, we had gotten the information about this private text group where the protesters would communicate where to meet. And there was going to be a protest the next day there as well. We were staying in Phoenix. So we got this address texted to to us, like, meet here about, you know, plans about what we're going to do tomorrow and whatever like that. So we started walking and we traveled in a very well organized fashion. We had our gear. We were kind of military-esque in the sense that we had a level of order and command and efficiency in the way we conducted ourselves and traveled through these cities that we went through. And so some people didn't really know who we were because we weren't just, like, the journalists out there. We weren't just protesters. We were, like, this organized group of four dudes, like, with cameras and, you know, signs. and, And we really kind of stood out. So we get to this place, the address, and, you know... We just we don't really know where we are, and we kind of start walking down this alleyway, and we turn the corner and go through like this building, and we get to this kind of backyard junkyard, and it's you know, I don't know how big it is. It's probably like you know as big as a basketball court, and um, but a little bigger maybe. Anyways, it's a junkyard, and there's just it's completely full of anarchists. It wasn't the normal protesters, the people who are out there. It was the anarchist black block. It was the cell of anarchists in Phoenix. And apparently it was the meeting place for many, many years of these people. And they're all dressed in black, and the energy was a little intense, and we, got, we, we thought we were going to just a general meeting of the general protesters, because not every protester is an anarchist, so we didn't know we were going to this meeting of just anarchists. So they were just a lot of animosity, just staring us down, like, who are these guys? Why are these four guys here? And so we go in and, you know, all eyes were on us. It was pretty uncomfortable. So we try to just have some conversations and talk to a few people. And, you know, it was time for the meeting. So they call the meeting. Everything's done by consensus. They form a circle and they're like, you know, first thing we want to talk about is a security concern. So I'm cool. I'm like, cool, what's this? I wonder what the security concern is. <laughs> and then everybody votes and says, okay, let's talk about the security concern. And the girl's talking. She's like, we want to know who you four are and points right at us. And like, okay, so I start explaining who we are. We're from the Spiritual Lucian movement. We're there to film and, and and interview the protesters and interview people on in the street and tell their stories and, and, and talk to them about our idea of what spiritual is and all this. Long story short, they didn't buy it. They actually literally thought we were undercover cops. And so they just wanted us gone. They're like, You need to leave right now. I'm not saying like, this was like a nice little kumbaya conversation. You have to realize here, like, we're in this area that's, like, completely closed off. There's, like, one way in, one way out. It's like a junkyard. There's, like, all this weird art. I remember there was, like, this stack of, like, 20 shopping carts stacked high with, like, a couch on top and, like, a spear stuck into it with the anarchist flag flying. And it was just, like, kind of like a Mad Max feeling, like weird-ass place, man, and uh, these people were, like, you know, potentially violent, so I'm ready the whole time, like, this might go down, like, we might get attacked, I'm, like, looking for exit routes, I'm, like, looking for things I can pick up to use to defend myself if I have to, and, uh, anyways, we get voted out, and they're like, leave, leave now, they're, like, chanting and shit, like, get out of here, basically chased us out, so we left, you know, so then, you know, after we're kicked out of this place, it was kind of a blessing, because we shouldn't have been there anyways, because they're just gonna, you know, circle up in there in their little den and, and talk about how they can be destructive the next day. And so we ended up at this beautiful march and lo and behold, Reverend Jesse Jackson was there. And so we had the great blessing of meeting Jesse Jackson and marching with him and doing an interview for the Spiritual Lucian movement, which you can also find online. And I thought it was just such a contrast. Here we are leaving this anarchist cell, super like secretive cell about talking about how we can basically, how they can be more destructive and, you know, F authority and F hierarchy. And then we go to this speech by Reverend Jesse Jackson, a beautiful spiritual man, a elder, a a man who's been in the streets for decades who marched with King, who is an example of a man of authority, in my opinion. and. A beautiful soul. And, and he's speaking the spiritual truth and he's saying, keep hope alive, which he's been saying for 40 plus years, and um, talking about faith and hope and, and peace basically, and, and being a peaceful protester. And what was interesting is, you know, we're in the streets marching with him and he really kept trying to slow down the crowd to, one, walk slowly and quietly and peacefully and to lock arms and to just not rush through it and to just have that spiritual presence and walk through the streets. And people wouldn't listen. They just kept barging forward and wanting to go forward and it's just an example of our society today and the young people today not wanting to respect authority, respect their elders. Why wouldn't you listen and respect Reverend Jesse Jackson who's in the street, who's been in the streets, like I said, for decades and who's asking for this and, and he's a leader there. Why wouldn't the young people just listen and respect that and show him the respect he deserves? because he has put his life on the line many, many times in the streets and he has walked with the greats. What a juxtaposition going from the anarchist cell to a, a, a Jesse Jackson speech. And of course, you know, while we were walking, there was an individual who came up to us and was actually apologetic and had heard that we were kicked out and, you know, said, oh, you know, we thought you were cops too and now we know that you're not, <laughs> you know. But there is one person basically out of probably 40 or more people who... uh came around and and, and apologized to us and we saw some of those people the next day. So it was kind of awkward because they still thought we were cops or whatever. Regardless of all that, you know, I was blessed to interview Jesse Jackson, like I said, and then cool thing is uh, about six months later in May uh, of 2012, I ran into Jesse Jackson again at the NATO summit in Chicago and was able to interview him briefly and speak to him and a lot of respect for that man. He's been doing the, doing it for years, and he brings the spiritual awareness. And so we, like I said, as young people, should just pause and show respect to those who've gone before us. You know, what's interesting is we had the beautiful blessing of, of going all across the country, all the major cities, and I spoke to self-proclaimed anarchists in all of those cities and almost all of them kind of had a different interpretation. In different response to what they thought anarchy was, and why they called themselves an anarchist. But, of course, there is the basic undertone and, and, and understanding of what that is, which is basically it's a resistance of authority, they, they don't like the state, they don't believe in a hierarchy of power and structure, and they believe that every individual is autonomous and can be their own leader, basically, and, and a part of the state, and they don't need government. And it's basically rebellion, and it's really... if you th- synthesize it all down, it's F authority. That was a a, a massive chant here at all time, F authority, F the system, F the police. Now I want to talk about the concept of good godly authority because there's so little examples on the planet today of that. And so I can understand why young people today are upset, why young people are in the streets protesting, burning down buildings, burning down police cars, breaking, vandalizing, etc. I don't agree with any of that, but I can have sympathy and understand about that anger, because it's misplaced and they don't have any hope. It's a sense of hopelessness. And I've had a few conversations recently with people about Black Lives Matter, about the people in the streets, about the concept of burning down the buildings and the looting and the violence, and it's a complex subject. And everybody has their opinions, and I'm not here to offend anybody. But one thing that I really strongly feel is that the youth need leadership, and they need guidance, and they need spiritual guidance, they need elders. And that acts of violence, acts of aggression, and the way they're going about communicating their frustration is not working. And I am in no way trying to say that I can put myself in the shoes of a black man or woman of this country and in the years of systemic racism and say that I can relate to that. I can have empathy. I can have sympathy. But I'm not trying to say I'm you and I understand what it's like because I probably would be in the streets too burning shit down if my people were being killed unjustly uh, over and over and over again. But I will say that... I know that there are groups of people who don't agree with the destruction that's taking place. Portland, Oregon, has been in you know whatever fifty plus nights of vandalism and, and protest in the streets, and and you know it's it is a way to communicate to the world and to the powers that supposedly be uh, your frustrations and your disagreement. I totally agree with that. That it's that's. That's what they're trying to communicate, they're getting their message across. But is it effective? Does it cause change? You know, and this whole concept of defunding the police, is that really the answer? Is it really the answer to have a lawless society, to not have police? You know, when you start to get some wisdom and understand, and you actually start to be someone who's had to use and rely on the police for protection in certain situations, you then realize that it really makes no sense to live in a lawless world where there isn't someone to enforce. The law. It doesn't make any sense. Now, the people who are saying this probably have never been a business owner, or a landowner, or a family man, and they haven't had things to protect. And so from my perspective, of course there's uh, bad cops and good cops. Of course there's injustice. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there has to be a way that order happens. Because I've had to call the police multiple times as early as two weeks ago for protection. And if we didn't have that, and you put justice in the hands of the people, more violence actually happens, believe me. And so, it's not the answer, and it's not a, it's not an easy thing. I'm not here to talk on my po- podcast to give the answer about all that. What I am here to say is that anarchy is not the answer, anger is not the answer, and that really a spiritual evolution movement is the answer. And you need to go to spiritualution.org to learn more about the spiritual revolution, the spiritual activism, the spiritual solution, and what Gable of Urantia talks about. So you can go to spiritualution and you can see a lot of the videos that the same crew is making this video right now made nine years ago. It's pretty cool. That's commitment. That's loyalty. That's a brotherhood right there. And so you go and you check that out and you tell me, via the comments, via the emails, however you want, on the social media, on the website to Get Real, what you think. But I think we as human beings have to start having conversations and start promoting and start talking about active dissension against evil in a higher way than burning, looting, and taking to the streets in violence. I'm all for taking to the streets and protesting something and demanding change from our government, and from the people, the corporations, whatever it is people feel the need to protest. The injustice of police brutality is very real, it's a very real problem. There needs to be reform, there needs to be uh, changes, there needs to be education, but there has to be a consciousness and a spiritual consciousness shift. It's not the police department's budgets that allow them to shoot the innocent black man or woman, or any person of color. It's their lack of consciousness. It's their racist thinking. It's their cultural wrong upbringing that allows them to disassociate their brotherhood with someone else, their sisterhood with someone else. That's what has to be changed. That's the spiritual illusion. That's the consciousness shift. Defunding has nothing to do with it, really. So, anarchists out there who will be listening to this will be pissed at me. Oh, well. <laughs> I've never uh, never stopped pissing people off Never I've been afraid of that. I'm not here to say that I have all the answers, but I know from my own personal experience and being in multiple large protests from 50,000 people in Chicago and NATO to 300 people at the Alec protest in Phoenix, to thousands of people in LA and New York and San Diego. These different places that I've seen what's effective in this streets and I've seen what's not. And violence and the anger and the cussing at the police and the throwing the things is never effective. In fact, all it does is delegitimize you. It gives the media stuff to film and gives them clickbait and gives them things to put out there to make the people in the streets all look like a bunch of angry animals and not intelligent citizens of this country and of this world. Most importantly, who cares about this country, citizens of the world, global, cognizant, citizens of this beautiful planet earth we're all brothers and sisters and as gabriel of urancha says one god one planetary family that's it that's that's the top level consciousness so if we can really start to understand that one god one planetary family no borders no isms no schisms no separations go about your day and act in that consciousness apply that to your thinking you'd be surprised how we don't always do that And you'd be surprised when you do how you become a peacemaker. You become a unifier. And like a few podcasts ago, it's unity without uniformity. And so we all have to take responsibility to adopt the consciousness of one God, one planetary family, the spiritual ocean consciousness, and go around and treat our brothers and our sisters all around us with that love, with that higher spiritual love. That's the answer. Not F authority not if the system, love. Now that may sound trite, it may sound cheesy even, it may sound idealistic, and what does that mean? I'm telling you what it means. You personally treat every single person around you with love. The black person, the Native American person, the Mexican person, the white supremacist, or whatever it is, you can disagree with what they believe, but you treat them with love. One thing I've always tried to do in my travels, and my blessed travels and ability to meet all different types of people in all walks of life, is to be kind of a spiritual chameleon. And what I mean by that is, adapt to whatever environment I am in, or whoever I am talking to, and find commonality. Never compromise, never compromise myself, my personality, and my beliefs. But adapt. Have the humility to try and understand their perspective. Find something in common with all people. So one day I can go hang out with a bunch of Jews, and the next day I can go hang out with a bunch of Muslims, and the next day I can go hang out with a bunch of Christians, and one day I can go hang out with a bunch of rednecks, even possibly redneck racists, and still try to find commonality and uplift their, their, their thoughts. And so we can't be separators, and that's what we are. As human beings, we we're natural separators. We need to be natural joiners. Join our our consciousness together. Find what we have in common, which is so much, and and have a higher consciousness of love. That's it, guys. Anarchy is not the way. It's a fun little story I just told you. You can actually go to Spiritual Lucian and read an article about that I wrote. We have some videos up as well of that uh, event. Again, it's the Alec American Legislative Exchange Council protest uh, in 2011. And we'll put some footage in this podcast, too, for you guys to see. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. Check out my website at GetRealOrDieTrying.com. Leave me a voicemail on Anchor.fm slash dietrine. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms you listen on. Be sure to follow me on social media and share this podcast with your friends. Word of the mouth is a great way to share the vibe. Get real or die trying with Amadon Dalerba as a production of Global Change Media. And remember, pain is temporary, victory is eternal.